Talks with the electrical like I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And welcome everybody in the booth on a Monday, a snowy Monday. Snow's always beautiful the first day that it falls. Here on out, it could be a little sketchy, although it's supposed to be nice tomorrow, maybe as much as 50 degrees. So we might not have a lot of snow on the ground by this time tomorrow or in the coming days. Continues to be a very busy time, leading our way up to Senior Day in the Carrier Dome on Saturday at 12:20 kickoff. Orange football against Boston College, and lots to discuss related to that and the Syracuse football team in general. Orange basketball at home tonight and Wednesday night as well, with two really good tests. Oakland comes in down a man. If Oakland was fully fledged, this would be a real game tonight, and it might be even without. Jalen Hayes, who is uh, sidelined right now, the last game of a four-game academic suspension at the start of the year for Oakland. They have uh, Illinois transfer Kendrick Nunn, who has been lighting it up. Martez Walker of uh, the Texas transfer into Oakland. They are awfully good. Two guys filling it up. Will they have enough to uh, challenge the unbeaten orange tonight in the Dome? We'll find out with a 7 o'clock start to that one. And then Toledo, who just throttled Oakland the other night, comes in on Wednesday, and uh, we'll have those games for you, of course, on our sister station, brother station, sister, brother, doesn't matter, station down the hall, TK99, and uh, hope you will check those out. We're going to have John Wildhack coming up in just a bit, talking uh, Orange football and specifically Senior Day as uh, Syracuse hosts BC, good uh, end-of-the-season scheduling to uh, meet the Eagles. They have uh, exceeded their expectations this year. They're bowl eligible again. So just when you thought uh, Steve Adazio was on thin ice, the uh, outstanding freshman running back, A.J. Dillon, another 200-yard rushing game for them. They beat UConn at Fenway Park on Saturday, and B.C. is going bowling, and they're coming into the carrier dome with some momentum. The Orange, the opposite. The last two games, they've not had their starting quarterback, Eric Dungey, the defense banged up in the last quarter of the season has been picked apart by two very good, very good and accomplished quarterbacks, John Wolford and Lamar Jackson, and the Orange have been in trouble. Non-competitive on Saturday, and unfortunately it felt like it was not competitive from the moment that the team took the field and Eric Dungy was in sweatpants. So that was uh, an hour to kick off, and... Uh, I hear what Coach Babers says that it, in theory, shouldn't impact the other 21 positions. And I don't discount that. It shouldn't. And ideally wouldn't. It does. So everybody knows it's a big drop-off from your number one quarterback to your number two. That's not just at Syracuse. That's on almost every team in America. Major college, pro, high school. Your number one quarterback is number one for a reason. Eric Dungy's better than Zach Mahoney, than Rex Culpepper, Tommy DeVito uh, on the shelf this year as a redshirt. If Eric Dungy can't go, he's your best quarterback 
He's also your best rusher of the football. You know you're taking a knife to a gunfight, and that's what has happened the last couple of weeks. And uh, with all due respect to Zach Mahoney, who has put up numbers, but uh, he has his limitations. Mahoney struggled at the start of the game. We thought we would see Rex Culpepper at some point anyway. Culpepper was in in the first half, did not go a great deal better for him, and uh, the Orange defense just had no answers for the explosiveness of the uh, Louisville Cardinals. Uh, Syracuse's depth challenged at this stage of the season uh, with the defense, and uh, the Orange need to regroup. Now, no bowl to play for this year. There is a little bit of spoiler sort of effect that you can have. You can win a game in November, something Syracuse has done just uh, once in now a four-year span. If they don't uh, win on on Saturday, that would be a stretch of uh, one win in November in four years. And uh, something they're trying to uh, turn the tide on there. Boston College, uh, while it's gotten a strong running game here at the uh, end of the season, does not have significantly superior personnel to Syracuse and a chance for Syracuse to send off seniors that have been uh, very impactful uh, to this point in the uh, in the rebirth of the program. Uh, certainly Steve Ishmael or Phillips on the offensive side, Zaire Franklin, Paris Bennett, et cetera, on the defensive side. Uh, still to come. So we'll visit with John Wildhack about uh, Syracuse football and Senior Day coming up. Coach Babers had uh, some interesting comments in his press conference today. We'll share that for you in just a bit. But we'd like to give the first word on the show to Stephen North Syracuse, who joins us by phone. Hello, Steve. How are you? Hi. Uh, I have some interesting numbers about uh, uh, Syracuse's plight in Saturday's game. But uh, firstly, a uh, procedural thing. I'd like to ask about the Dino Baber show, because uh, the original article about it said that uh, there was something of a question mark as to what the show might be like this week or whether there'll be one next week. Could you kind of fill us in on sure, that? Sure. We'll have a show uh, tomorrow night. Steve will be at uh, Marriott Syracuse downtown tomorrow. Had a couple of options. Typically, it would be Wednesday before uh, Thanksgiving, but there's a men's basketball game on Wednesday, so we'll do it uh, tomorrow night. Okay. The- be the Bayheim shows back on Thursday? No, uh, yes, it is, but not this week with uh, Thanksgiving. So we'll pick that up on the thirtieth and go from there. Okay, and and this will be a call-in show. It will not be a uh, yeah, taped yeah, interview yeah. type show. Nope, not this time. Legit, uh, legit show tomorrow with Coach Babers. Is there going to be anything uh, after the BC game, or will this be the last? No, show? you know we uh, schedule whatever it turns out to be. Is it that the twelve? I mean, there's there's uh, right. twelve shows for the year and. So we'll be done tomorrow night. Then. Correct. Yep. Okay. Anyway, uh, I, I looked at the play-by-play of this game, and I decided to count the explosive plays—that is, plays of twenty yards or more. Yep. We had two of them for fifty-eight yards and no scores. They had ten of them for four hundred and fourteen yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, uh, now there were a total of one hundred fifty-one plays in the game, so. If you looked at the other 239 uh, plays, then we gained 277 yards and scored 10 points, and they gained 313 yards and scored uh, uh, 7 points. So really, the whole game was just those explosive plays. Even the one touchdown they got that wasn't technically an explosive play was 19 yards, and if he'd had to go 20, he would have been able to do so. 
So the game was really all about uh, having uh, players who, if they get an opening, can go all the way, and having defenders who prevent those openings or, if they don't, can chase somebody down. And Louisville had that kind of player, and we didn't seem to. The other thing is I looked up our record uh, in uh, November these last four years when we've had losing records. We've been 14 and 18 in September and October and 1 and 14 so far in November. And I think it all has to do with depth. It's just hard for a team that doesn't have superior depth to get through a 12-game schedule and not wear down so that they have a hard time competing at the same level in, in November. Back when Jim Brown played, we played eight games a year. Then it was nine, then 10, then 11. Now it's 12. And they added these games on, obviously, to make money. But I think there's a lot of college football teams that have a real hard time making it through a 12-game schedule and and maintaining what they were doing uh, through through most of the year. And Syracuse is one of those teams. They obviously aren't going to backtrack on that, but it's going to take a while for Dino to build up the depth we need to handle the 12-game schedule. We're simply not there yet, but maybe in a couple of years we might be. No, you're 100% right uh, on both accounts. First of all, Louisville leads the nation in plays from scrimmage of 10-plus yards for the year. All of their touchdowns were of 19 yards or more in that game on Saturday, and some of those could have been, to your point, as long as they needed to be. There was nobody that was going to tackle them for the next 10, 20, 30 yards, yep. if, if you know what I mean. And uh, Syracuse does not have, uh, typically, the home run hitter. I think you also see a difference. Eric, you know, Zach Maloney, I was going to say, throws a pretty decent deep ball, but he hasn't, you know, it's in the second half of the Wake Forest game and the first half of the Louisville game, so they did not connect on those uh, even if they were there, and you have to figure your starting quarterback, Dungey, uh, might connect on them uh, here and there. But more to the point, what, what's the overarching theme around the program in recent years? You hit it, Steve. They just do not have enough material to withstand the end of the season. It is not unique to Syracuse. It's a lot of the teams that are not in the upper crust Everybody in the game undergoes injuries, and that's major college and pro, top to bottom. It happens. It's the nature of the sport. Syracuse does not have the depth in rotation at the positions that we're talking about here that get exposed uh, for that. And and Steve, you, you could not be more accurate, and I just don't think there's any solution to it than time. And uh, we appreciate your call, and uh, we'll talk to you on the uh, on the show tomorrow night. Okay. I'll ask you about it too. Yeah, uh, yep. Hope you will, and appreciate that. And you know, I want to share an important comment from Coach Babers uh, from earlier today. It's on a slightly different topic, but under again the same heading of look, this is not going to come easy. There's growing pains involved for everybody, and potentially, you know, one of the outcropping or manifestations of the of the growing pains are you get all excited about the Clemson game and it's not followed up and coach Babers addressed that this morning you know my my disappointment was in the uh, in the way as a community that we handled it and I hope that next year when the opportunity comes up we handle it a different way we need to be mature about the way we go about our process when we're sitting at a situation where we, great things can happen and we're willing to uh, look so far down the road when really we need to just look right outside the door and keep doing the job that we're doing 
so that we can have an opportunity to get to the fruits of those rewards at the end of the season and not necessarily jump the gun, you know, and, and talk about the future when we still had a lot of work to do. We still had a lot of planting, a lot of seed and a lot of water in the dew, and we're already counting our chips with our crops, and we don't even know what in the hell happened yet. And, uh, you know, it, it's exciting. I get it. It's a new experience for us. I understand that part of it. And I get, you know, I get that you guys get to write about it, and that's really cool. But as, as a team, and as a, as a community, and as a, or, and as a university, you know, there's steps to it, you know? I can think back to my children when, you know, they got their tricycle, and then, then they got their bikes with the wheels on the side. What do you call them, training wheels? And then the very first day that you took the training wheels off, and then you're running behind them with the bike, getting in better shape than they are. And then all of a sudden, you're running behind them, and you don't have your hand on the bike, and you're just running next to them. And, and they don't realize that they're pedaling the bike by themselves. And then they're taking off going all over the neighborhood and you're worrying about cars hitting them because they're flying around corners and doing all kind of crazy things. Those are the processes to learning how to ride a bike. And it's no different than the processes that the team has to go to to learn how to win. You just don't step on the field and win. There's a process that we have to go, to, go through. And we're going through that process. And we will win. And it will be exciting when we do, and we'll all join the community, everybody will join together, and it'll be fantastic. But we need to go through the process, and it's slow. It's not millennial. It takes time. But we're going to get it done. There's no doubt about it. Orange head coach Dino Babers, lots to process and interpret uh, from those comments. We're going to visit with John Wildhack, the uh, Syracuse Director of Athletics, as well. That's coming up next as we continue in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Serve Pro, AmeriCue Credit Union, and William Matar are proud supporters of Syracuse football coverage on ESPN Syracuse. We are the pulse of the orange. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the Booth on ESPN Radio brought to you by CNYRealtor.com, CH Insurance, and Burdick Ford. Good to have you along with us as we continue on a Monday. Orange football in the Carrier Dome with a 12-20 start against Boston College this Saturday. Syracuse has had the upper hand historically against uh, BC inside the Carrier Dome, including a win the last time that uh, Boston College came in. And that can happen again. Matter of stopping uh, BC's running game that uh, has really rejuvenated their second half of the season. 12-20 start, senior day. So that means the last Dome game for guys that have been stalwarts uh, over their careers. Record setters, uh, players that have benefited from the Dino Baber system now for two years. Steve Ishmael and Irv Phillips are uh, both rewriting the record books at receiver. In fact, one of the (laughs) – you want to look at uh, silver linings – of the uh, 56-10 loss at Louisville on Saturday. Well, Steve Ishmael went into that game needing three catches for the single-season record. He had two, and he was looking for 54 yards to pass Marvin Harrison as the all-time leading receiver in school history, and he had 29. So what we can say is that Steve Ishmael will, Saturday at the Carrier Dome, have his 13th consecutive game with a reception, will become the single-season reception record holder, passing on by Adetawa, who now is tied with 
and he'll pass Marvin Harrison on the all-time career receiving yards list. So kind of like in baseball when you hope the guy that gets his 3,000th hit does it in your ballpark. Well, that'll happen with Steve Ishmael on senior day. If he had had just an average game at Louisville, he would have uh, surpassed the numbers by a great deal. So Ishmael or Phillips, Zach Mahoney on offense, a couple of uh, linemen, Jamar McGloster, the Orange's starting right tackle. And on defense, certainly Zaire Franklin, who became a 300 career tackle man on Saturday. Paris Bennett, who's been the Orange's uh, leading tackler for uh, three years running. Jonathan Thomas, the Orange will have to replace their entire linebacking core from this year, next season. If you'd like to join us by phone, you can do that at 437-7644-ESPN44. Gets you on the show. If you'd like to join us to chat, we'll have Matt Derry, uh, Syracuse alum, and the uh, radio analyst for Oakland coming up later in the program. John Wildhack, the uh, Syracuse Director of Athletics, uh, set to join us as well to talk orange football. So on Senior Day at the Dome, a 12-20 start. The Orange and Boston College. You know, Coach Baber's comments there are basically uh, not so fast in terms of putting up banners and Syracuse football is back, et cetera, based on one win. Virginia Tech last year, Clemson this year. We can get back to parsing through some of his comments. We want to talk with John Wildhack here at the moment and uh, get an idea of what's in store at the Dome on Saturday. John, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm doing fine, Matt. How are you doing today? Good. Appreciate it. And, uh, and you know, we can talk about Coach's comments from this morning, but I'm uh, more curious to think what your outlook is at this stage. And uh, one more for the Gipper uh, here at the Carrier Dome on Saturday. What's the, what's the ramp up uh, toward Boston College from your perspective? Well, I think what we're really trying to do is, is we want to, we want to honor our senior class. Um, and I encourage our fans to come out and honor our senior class because these kids, listen, we're, we're disappointed. We're not, they're not ending their career in a bowl game because they deserve to. But what this class has done is they've really laid the first piece in the foundation of, of rebuilding this program under coach Babers. And Matt, sometimes that first piece is the hardest to get to, 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 to do. And they've done it. Uh, and we really want to honor them and send them off, uh, off in a great manner on Saturday and let them know how much uh, we appreciate and we're thankful for all they've given and contributed to our program. John, you know the industry, and you know that coaching changes are like uh, they're like scars to a degree. You're, you're maybe taking a step back to take a step forward, and – this cycle has played out here a number of times. So we've seen the guys who were the ones that did it for Doug Marone and then did it for Scott Schaefer. And you can kind of remember the people that are iconically tied uh, to a coach. And Dino Babers is going to have success here. You know, it's just, it's not immediate. It's not coming as quickly as, as everybody would hope. I think we're going to look back at these guys, and I listed some of the numbers before you came on, of Steve Ishmael, of Irv Phillips, of, of people that, that are emblematic of the new system of offense, et cetera. And these are the guys that we're going to look back on and talk about as the ones that were there when the foundation was laid. 
You're right, Mark. You're right, Matt. I mean, they, you know, these these are the ones they're laying the bricks. You know, they're they're building this thing, and it, the hardest the hardest thing to do is to get it started. But Irv and Steve, you know, clearly, you know, Zaire, what he's meant to the program, you know, on the field, off the field, only the second three time captain and. In 128 year history, so that right there shows you what a special, special guy he is. You know, Paris Bennett, um, consecutive 100 tackle seasons. You know, Jamar McGloster, he's going to start 24 consecutive games. You know, Zach comes as a walk on um, and played a lot of football for us, and and uh, broke a couple records along the way. And you know, Cole Murphy and Jonathan Thomas. I mean, these these guys. You know, when we get really really good. Um, you know, we're always going to remember these guys. And these guys, in my mind, are, are really, really special. And I, I want them to know um, how much we think of them because this is, this is a special, special group. And when we get good, we want them to come back and, and we're going to let them enjoy uh, the fruits of their labor. Well, and speaking of the record books, we mentioned the wide receivers. Cole Murphy's another. He'll be the single season and career record holder in field goals, and uh, that's a record that uh, might stand for a while because the, this offense is designed to do a lot of things. No offense is necessarily designed to kick field goals. So uh, you might hope that uh, Cole has the record for a bit and that, that in the future more touchdowns are scored than field goals. We're visiting with John Wildhack. It's a twelve twenty kickoff in the Dome, Saturday, Syracuse and Boston College. You know, John, we talk a lot about scheduling and the ideal, et cetera. And one of the things that the ACC does is they if they have it all lined up the way they want, is they pave the way for this rivalry game at the end. Are you for finishing with BC? Yeah, I'm perfectly, I'm perfectly comfortable with that. And we played, you know, we played BC for years. Last we finished the pit, you know, they're longtime rivals as well. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very comfortable with that. You know, the thing I'm, and I am too. The thing I'm coming around to is, uh, boy, it, it would have been, and I know it's easier said than done. Florida State played Delaware State this past week. Clemson played Citadel. That is taking a page from the SEC book, which is maybe you open up with a more challenging schedule, but the non-conference or the FCS opponent that you play that might be a little softer at the end of the year is used as a a half-buy. You play, but while you are maybe not yourself at the end of the year, there's somebody you maybe still can beat. And uh, if you reshuffled the schedule in recent years for Syracuse, that might have helped get a November win. Well, I agree with you, Matt. It's a good point. And you see a lot of Southern schools do that. Um, you know, not only Florida State and Clemson, but you saw Alabama do it. You saw Auburn do it. Um, and they do it historically uh, before they play each year. And, you know, the, the one thing that we've done is is we're in the, we've addressed the non-conference schedule going forward. And, yep. and we've addressed it in a way that we've got to – we, first and foremost, we got to we got to understand where we're playing. We're playing in the ACC, which is good of football as there is in the country, in a division which I think is the best division in all college football. When you look at the number of teams, are going to have eight wins out of out of our division. So we've got to schedule non conference games that are going to be competitive, but you know, frankly, give our chance our team a chance to have success. And then part of that, a subset, is all right. Is there a way to tweak things and maybe don't play that? You know that uh, you know that uh, that FCS you know in week one maybe it's you know you try to move them down to week twelve. Obviously, there's a lot of intricacies that go into that, but um, you know that's something that we'll look at. Yeah, I was gonna say you need a dance partner, and and it's been so long established in the SEC that they 
have those arrangements lined up because they've got their rivalry game at the end of the year, and then they can dip into a Southern Conference or a Sun Belt or, or that type of opponent um, in the, the 11th game, basically. And in the Northeast, it's not as interwoven. In other words, if you wanted to play Stony Brook or Central Connecticut this week, well, they've got somebody else in mind. They might have their rivalry game. And, right. uh, you know, so easier said than done, but maybe that's something that over time gets worked at. You know, John, you, you've got a, a tough job. The uh, athletic director's position has a lot of moving parts, but certainly one of them is to put your teams and coaches in position to succeed. And certainly, as Dino Baber says, hey, in order to succeed, we've got to build depth. What can you do from your position, or what can any of us do from from various positions in order to get more good football players uh, here so that you're not looking at this kind of a broken record in November? Well, I think there's a couple things, Matt. Is number one is is you know we've worked quietly to give Coach uh, Babers and the staff more resources uh, when it comes to recruiting, um, and I want us to be very very aggressive on the recruiting trail. We've got a great yeah, you know, we've got a great pitch. We got a great story to tell here mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, the history of our program. Obviously, the progress that we've made under Coach Babers in two years. And I, and I get it. All right, people say, well, it doesn't translate into wins or losses, but there's no question we're a better football team than last year. Uh, no question whatsoever. So we're making progress. You can come someplace where you get a great education at Syracuse University. So we're providing more resources, more manpower um, in the recruiting area. And then I think for our fans. Listen, in some ways, the biggest recruiting pitch we can have, a recruiting tool, is uh, is uh, is a dome atmosphere like we had the night of the Clemson game. I mean, that was you know that was as good an atmosphere as you'll find anywhere in the country. That that is really really impactful on seventeen and eighteen year old kids. Yeah, and John Wildhack with us, Senior Day in the Dome. It's Saturday, twelve twenty. Tickets at Cuse dot com slash tickets or one eight 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 Dome T I X. John, are you familiar with Coach Baber's comments this morning? And and what might you, be your interpretation? Where the, the Reader's Digest version is, um, look, maybe we got ahead of ourselves as a community after the Clemson game, and this is a process. Is a process, and I think you, you look at most rebuilds, Matt, and it's a five-year process. Uh, you know, Thabo Sweeney, it took him five years to turn around Clemson. D'Antonio, five years at, uh, at Michigan State. So it's you know, it's a process to do it. And I, again, I think we've made progress. And yes, when you have a, you know, when you have a win of the scale of Clemson, you know, everybody, it's only human nature, right? You begin to look forward and you think, hey. You know, maybe we've arrived, and then when you're competitive as we were, you know, at NC State, at LSU, at Miami, uh, but it does it does take time. And uh, you know, the one thing I, you know, I've told Coach all along, I said I'm going to be patient. Um, I'm going to give him the time necessary to get it right and to do it in a way, Matt, that once we're good, we can have sustained success. So year after year after year, that's the goal. Well, uh, looking forward to Saturday, John. Uh, certainly, even irrespective of bowl hopes, people do remember these games if you can w- win them late and have something to build on. Uh, just as uh, last year's bad loss at Pittsburgh was something that springboarded some defensive improvement this year, a win in their final game of the season uh, can springboard you into the offseason. So uh, we're excited to see what might be out there on the field on uh, Saturday, and we thank you for your time. Matt, thanks. I appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving to uh, all Syracuse fans out there. Have a great uh, Thanksgiving, a safe Thanksgiving, and uh, 
and uh, make make sure part of the Thanksgiving weekend celebration is to be in the Dome at 1210 on Saturday. Love it. Okay, thank you, John. Thanks, and uh, Thanksgiving and football go hand-in-hand. Hand. John Wildhack already with a win in women's basketball today. Men or Men's basketball plays tonight against Oakland at 7 o'clock. We'll talk about that game with Matt Derry of the Oakland Radio Broadcast. When we continue on the show, you're in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Get on the block with Brent Axe. If you believe that an athlete, a high-profile athlete, is on scholarship and therefore that's good enough, then you must think your rotary phone is good enough at home. I've got a phone and it works fine. Things advance. We have technology. I have a phone that also can connect me to the Internet and I can read emails and get text messages and all sorts of great things like subscribe on iTunes to the ESPN Circuit page. On the block with Brent Axe, 4 to 6. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. Live from the DBOffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. You hear that? Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Here's Joe Salzone. Ex-Louisville coach Rick Pitino says he needs to move on. In an interview with ESPN, Pitino said he has not ruled out a return to coaching, but admits he needs to move on with his life in case he does not get a coaching offer. Pitino was fired last month after being named in an FBI investigation into schools paying for recruits. No kidding. You don't work here anymore, and uh, nobody really wants to see him around Louisville. Plus, he has the means to do whatever he wants. He wants to move on to a beach if somebody offers him a job. They may have their uh, reasons for it. They obviously can coach ball, but uh, I don't think anybody's going to rush to associate themselves with Rick Pitino anytime soon. Yeah, that's delusional head coach speak again. Uh, someone will hire me. Yeah, there may be a school, a small school. Somebody hired me, Dave Bliss, and he <laughs> covered up a murder on his own team. So <laughs> Yeah, but nobody, just to give you an idea. nobody's looking for Pitino unless it's like Florida Atlantic or something like that. Wouldn't rule them out. The Broncos have That fu- would be both, because then they would think you coach and live in Boca. <laughs> The Broncos have fired offensive coach Mike McCoy after losing six games in a row. That includes uh, a 20-17 to loss yesterday to the Bengals. Yeah, uh, NFL stands for not for long, and uh, if things aren't going well, somebody's head's got to roll, and in that case, it's his. Correct. <laughs> if we could do that on this show, we'd, we'd, we'd be rotating through coordinators like nobody's business on this show. I'd have been gone years ago. I'm up next. People Magazine has named country singer and TV personality Blake Shelton as the sexiest man alive for 2017. And another runner-up finish for you, Joe. (laughs) Outstanding work. I wish. Do We Care is brought to you by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's love at first slice. I would have liked to have chimed in on Blake Shelton. He is getting a lot of heat for that. Is he not an attractive man? I'm not going to wait. What are we, as in an unworthy winner? Yeah, I mean, it, it. People Magazine is getting slaughtered for this. Like, it's not like he's unattractive, right? He's not ugly. I think people dig the voice. I'm, I'm not as upset by it as everybody. Not my type, but. <laughs> it's a little tall for you, Polly. <laughs> but then again, aren't most men. All right. There. I got my Blake Shelton rap in. Did you do the sponsorship? I guess you did, Joe. It shows you how close I was listening. Okay, (laughs) back to basketball. We'll talk Orange and Oakland. It's not where you think it is. It's in Michigan. That's when we come back. In the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. 
Back in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse here for about 10 more minutes talking sports with you. Orange basketball in the Dome tonight as the Cuse is unbeaten against the 2-1 Oakland team that comes off 25 wins from a year ago and has a bit of a roster shakeup and some stories to tell. And to go through those stories, we welcome in our friend and former WAER stalwart Matt Derry, the Diesel. Hello, Matt. What's going on, Matthew? Great you? to hear your voice, my friend. Likewise. How are things? You made your way into town and made I made my way into town and a, a good buddy of mine took me to lunch. That would be you. So All come right. on, it doesn't get any better. You're a class act. Well, it's a paid radio segment here, so now I got you on the hook for <laughs> nine minutes to trade oh, off uh, one turkey sandwich. So uh, it's it's all it's all good. Well, no, just here at the dome for uh, for shoot around. It's it's kind of surreal for me being back, but it's it's cool and it should be a good basketball game tonight. Oakland off a, a really bad loss Saturday night at Toledo, where they struggled. They couldn't rebound the ball. Uh, a lot of guys were hurt during the week. Didn't practice. They didn't really have great. Uh, balance offensively and, 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 and cohesion, and I think they'll be better tonight. Kendrick Nunn with the most notable injury. He obviously can fill it up with the best of them, but landed awkwardly in an attempt at a rebound a couple games ago and has kind of banged his ankle around. So uh, what's his status? Probably you can see him right now if they're doing a little walkthrough, huh? Yeah, he's, he's fine. I think he's, he's okay. I don't think he's 100%, which means you know a breakaway dunk. I don't think you're going to see a 360 or any kind of reverse, but I think Kendrick Nunn is a guy that, uh, uh, you know, is, is going to shoot the basketball a ton. He's going to shoot a lot of threes. Um, and against that zone, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll jack a bunch up. But when, when that shot goes in, Matt, none of his shots ever touch the rim. Everything is straight, pure, all net, terrific athlete, uh, three-year starter at Illinois, and then I uh, got in a little trouble off the court, paid his, his dues, transferred to the mid-major here to Oakland, and, Boy, if they would have had him last year, uh, this would have been a scary team. But he's, he's definitely the best player on this year's team, a left-handed player, so it would kind of be difficult to defend. Uh, but a very good player, I would say, with the ankle, probably about 85 90% right now. He sat out uh, last year, and even without him, Oakland won 25 games, won their division in the Horizon League, and they're uh, far and away the preseason favorite of the Horizon League this year. Matt Derry is our guest. He's a radio analyst for uh, Oakland basketball. And let, Let's do this at the top here, Matt, where we have the most time because it, it's going to take a minute. Walk us through the Jalen Hayes story if you can. Jalen Hayes is an all-conference player, post-up player, left-handed kid, 6'7", uh, 6'8", six, six, that really, really is the glue guy for this Oakland team, great leader, and a guy that when you need to get a basket, you throw it to him on that right block, and he goes across the lane with the left hand, and he scores at will. That's Jalen Hayes in a nutshell, and a terrific student that was taking a graduate course, um, you know, and, and needed, needed a 2-8 to, to, you know, get through the course, got a 2-5, which meant he took, he never missed a class. He never, he never, he, he, he got a, a 2.5 or a So in other words, he kind of, to, to just minus. to translate, yeah, and, kind of uh, needed a, Needed a B plus and he got a B kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. More about it. Needed a B minus, got a C plus kind of. And it turned out that the NCAA was going to suspend him for the entire uh, first semester. Then they were going to suspend him for eight games. I think they got it down to four. But it just goes to show that you know it's it's just a little ridiculous. This is a kid that's a good kid, graduated on time, is taking graduate classes as a fifth year senior. And, and, and yes, he, he went a little bit under under what he should have gotten based on the requirement, but a four-game suspension, I think, is a little much. And so with that, he's, this is his last game he's missing, and then he'll be back Friday when, when Oakland goes to Lawrence, Kansas. 
so back-to-back games, that's the part of this tournament. The Orange will meet Kansas in Miami. All the other teams, the Texas Southerns and Toledos of the world, are playing each other. So that means for some of these, how cool an experience is, is it for a Texas Southern player or an Oakland player to, in back-to-back games, play at the Carrier Dome and Fog Allen Fieldhouse? And, uh, you know, for you, Matt, I know you, you uh, are friends with Coach Self, and uh, that'd be a fun trip for you as well. Yeah, no, um, it'd be pretty cool. And, and to be quite honest, with Oakland, with Greg Campion, this is his 34th year. So, you know, he and Jim Beheim are two of the senior guys staying at one spot. This is what Greg does. He, even if they weren't in this little mini tournament, Greg schedules very, very well and always has. Uh, he had a very good relationship back in the day with Bob Huggins. So every year Oakland played at Cincinnati. Uh, last year he got Mark Fox to bring Georgia up to, uh, to the arena. This team has played at North Carolina. They, so they, a lot of these guys have played in a lot of big spots. So, you know, the expectations are, you know, like, like the game that, like tonight, it, it used to be at Oakland, yeah, let's hang with a big boy. Let's, you know, make it interesting. Now it's we, – we can win. And with as young as uh, Syracuse is, with all the new guys that you obviously know and follow, I think it is a winnable game for Oakland. Man, if they had Jalen Hayes, it would be, be real winnable. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. And, and they will pose – a test, particularly if uh, Kendrick Nunn is on. They've got another uh, transfer from Texas, Martez Walker, who has scored uh, 24.3 points per game so far through the first three. And the impression I get in talking with Coach Campy is enough already. Let's play this season with our guys. He, he gives the impression that he's sort of frazzled and over the fact that uh, they haven't kind of had their full complement when for a guy 34 years down the road, uh, things were lining up this year for them to be a conference favorite, and uh, they can still do that because uh, Horizon League play doesn't start until January. Exactly, but I think Greg really wants to build this uh, the, this preseason in a way where he's got everybody together and you know is dealt the right hand. And again, if Jalen was skipping class, if Jalen was smoking dope, if, 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 if some of that nature, fine. You want to suspend the kid. This kid was going to every class. He underachieved a little bit. Uh, in terms of the grade, but again, um, it, you know, it, it is what it is. It's a good basketball team that last year got to the Horizon League tournament as the one seed, won the regular season, and then lost to the eight. They, they've had this notion the last few years of getting to the to the league tournament and and losing. So this is the year to hey, the tournament's down the street in Detroit at that new Little Caesars Arena where the Pistons and Red Wings play. So let's get there and let's 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 have some wins under our belt in November and December, good ones that can prepare us for March in that tournament. All right, very good, MD. Uh, and we'll spend a minute here on the travel log. So uh, what were the must-see spots for you in your return to campus for the first time in a couple of decades? <laughs> well, I brought my wife with me who I had never been here before. And, uh, you know, we, we had to do the whole new house thing and all of languages and the quad, you know, varsity, dinosaur, the usual. Marshall Street's not what it was when I graduated in 95. It's so different now, but... And then to bring her to the Carrier Dome here was pretty cool to walk back into this building. And uh, it hasn't changed much, Matt. This, you called it. This is, not, uh, this is not something that they've done a lot of renovating to, but I love it. It's, it's, it's giving me goosebumps just standing in here. No, happy for you. Uh, looking forward to seeing you at the game tonight. So enjoy the, the trip, and uh, we'll catch up with you here in a little bit for game time, okay? You're the best, Matt. You do such a great job. And, uh, man, we love having you represent us here, man. Likewise. Thank you, my friend. That's uh, Matt Derry. Uh, of uh, Detroit, there's a Lions podcast and a lot of other different things, uh, formerly of uh, WDFN Radio there and uh, part of their radio broadcast team for Oakland, which is a program that not long ago, in fact, within their 
current head coach's tenure wasn't even Division One. They went Division One in the uh, 2000 season and have uh, built up from there. Uh, one of their best former players, or a guy at least you, you recognize the name, is Brian Gregory, played uh, earlier in Coach Campy's tenure and then has gone on to be a coach in that area. But uh, most recently, Georgia Tech, he was the predecessor of Josh Pastner at uh, Georgia Tech, so you know Brian Gregory. Uh, Kay Felder, they've got a couple of uh, players in the NBA through Oakland, and they probably have a couple of, uh, if not NBA, but certainly pro players on their team now. But Kendrick Nunn, everybody thinks, is an NBA player. He's the Illinois transfer, uh, some trouble with the law. Uh, got him out of there. Uh, Martez Walker transferred from uh, Texas in a similar fashion as well, and two guys who can flat fill it up. And then look for Oakland to get another player who's an all-Horizon League uh, caliber big man in Jalen Hayes and watch them get going. Syracuse uh, needs to have its full uh, caliber and focus tonight as the Orange Square off with Oakland and then Toledo is in on Wednesday night. We're back tomorrow with the show at uh, 2 o'clock. We'll rehash tonight's basketball game, get you set for the Orange and Boston College, Turkey Day, all that good stuff. We'll get into more Coach Baber's comments as well as we continue. You're listening to In the Booth. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse.